And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a police drama on Under Arrest, starring Joe DeSantis from 1948. Then Lucille Ball and Richard Denning star in part one of a comedy episode of My Favorite Husband. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Glad to be here. Always happy to present a little My Favorite Husband. Would you mind telling our listeners about our wonderful drawing for a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter? I would not mind at all. So every month we give a year's supply away of cat litter, but not only just any cat litter, it's Cat's Pride Cat Litter. And they have their new Fresh and Light Ultimate Care. It's in the green jug. You can find it at your pet store or Jewel or Amazon. And we'd like to give you an entire year's supply. All you need to do is send an email to catspridephoto at gmail.com. A picture of you and your cat would be great. Uh, we'd like your name, your cat's name, and your city and state. And at the end of the month, we will post our winner. Um, and we are so happy to give away an entire year's supply of of the world's finest kitty litter. All right, very easy to enter the drawing. And as Lisa said, once a month we give away a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter, courtesy of Cat's Pride and the CEO of the company, Dan Jaffe. We appreciate that very much. All right, it's time now for Under Arrest. It was a police procedural drama that came to Mutual Radio in July of 1946. A mixture of This Is Your FBI and Calling All Cars, it starred Craig McDonald as police captain John Drake, head of a large metropolitan police force. By 1948, Joe DeSantis played Captain Jim Scott, the new central character in the show. Later, Ned Weaver, best known as Radio's Bulldog Drummond, took over as Captain Scott. For a time, Under Arrest was a summer replacement for the mega-popular The Shadow series, produced in New York and employed the East Coast's most versatile actors, including Joseph Julian, Maurice Tarplin, Joan Alexander, Jackson Beck, Louis Van Ruden, and Ralph Bell. It was last heard in 1954. Well, we have an episode now for you going back to August 1st, 1948. It's called The Spook of Sherwood Mansion. It stars Joe DeSantis. Let's tune in to part one of Under Arrest. Mutual presents Under Arrest. Into your cells! Criminals Behind Bars, Under Arrest, the story of Police Captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. Ah! 
Hello? Susan Webb speaking. Miss Webb, this is Janice Sherwood. Oh. Oh, yes, Miss Sherwood. I feel a little foolish, but I'd like to ask you a favor. Do what I can. It's something I don't want to talk to the police about. They've been so kind, and they're, they've really done everything. Has something new happened? I mean, has there been another ghost? It's the same one, I think. Oh, I know it sounds as though I'm imagining things, but if you heard the same things I hear, and if you saw the same things I see, well, what I mean is, would you spend the night at my house tonight, Miss Webb? I think you've got a very good idea there. In fact, I'd love to. Busy, Captain Scott? Just a little, but come on in. How are you and the Times Herald coming with your haunted house? Well, so far, I've, I've been able to build it into one of those three-day wonders. Is that bad? I wish you luck, but I think the only thing that's haunted is your girlfriend's skull. I don't blame you. Makes a good story. Maybe you can sell it to the movies. What are you featuring on your typewriter today? Nothing, except the ghost walked again last night. Shall I read it to you? Sure, shoot. How do you like my headline? Mm -hmm. Spook of Sherwood Mansion defies housing shortage. Nice twist. Thanks. Invisible intruder beats rent gougers again. I like your angle. Janet Sherwood, whose parents, Mr. and Mrs. Douglas E. Sherwood, are vacationing in Europe... Report second visitation from unseen spirit at Old Sherwood Mansion on Madison Avenue. Disorder in library suggests literary leanings in supernatural snooper. But the police find nothing missing. Mighty decent of you to mention us policemen, Miss Webb. Mighty decent. You think Janet Sherwood is just a crackpot, don't you? <laughs> I think she's a highly imaginative young lady who shouldn't live in that big barn of a house all by herself. She ought to take a room in a hotel till her father and mother get back. You may be right, but I've got news for you. What's that? I'm spending the night with her tonight. Well, I hope you have fun, but I'm afraid it'll be pretty dull. You don't believe her story at all. I think Miss Sherwood reads too many ghost stories. Maybe she even walks in her sleep. I sent a couple of men over there, and they couldn't find anything. But how about the library? Didn't they see the way the books were all pulled out? Well, maybe she pulled them out herself and forgot all about it. All I know is there's no evidence of robbery. Nothing's been beat up or murdered, so what are we supposed to do? Sit up all night and hold Miss Sherwood's hand? That's what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> You'll do anything for a story, won't you? It's one way of making a living. All right. I'll tell the patrolman on the beat to keep an eye on the place. Well, shall we put the lights out and pretend to go to sleep? I guess we'd better... Gee, I'm glad you're here, Miss Webb. Why don't you call me Susan, Janet? Okay. You know, I just can't believe I imagined all these things. Well, let's see what happens. I'll switch off the light. Susan. Listen. I hear it, too. There it is again. Oh. Oh, I think I know what that is. It's just a plain, ordinary alley cat. I guess you're right. I wish they'd stop. So do I. Cats can sound so terribly human. But I'm sure it's just cats. Oh, there, they're quieting down now, thank goodness. Let's just be quiet, too, and see if our ghost shows up. You don't believe my story, do you? Of course I believe your story. I believe there's a sensible explanation. 
I don't believe in ghosts either. It, it, it's just that I'm sure I heard things. And, and all those books were pulled down in the library, and, uh, and the police couldn't find well, anything. Well, if, if we hear anything tonight, maybe we can find out what it's all about. Oh, goodness, I'm sleepy. Be a fine thing if we both dozed off. I'm sleepy, too. Well, I'll keep pinching myself. Susan. Yes? Did you hear anything? I'm not sure. Listen. There. I'm sure I heard something that time. What did it sound like? I don't know. It was like someone moving around down in the library. Well, I guess the only thing to do is to go down and look. Should we call the police? Oh, we haven't much to go on. We, we might look pretty foolish. Well, I guess you're right. Come on. We'll, we'll sneak down in the dark. Very quietly. There! What was that? I don't know. Look. Someone's using a flashlight. Yes, but they just turned it off. Listen to that. Oh, what shall we do? Whoever this is gone, where's the light switch? Right here. Susan. Look. Oh, good heavens. I wonder if he's dead. That's the doorbell. I'll get it. Who can it be? Probably the police are on the beat. Heard the shots. Well, what do you make of it, Jim? Well, what I make of it is I should have taken your haunted house more seriously. You did all you could do. I, I don't blame you for thinking Janet Sherwood was a crackpot. I did myself until it was too late. Well, we found out how the killer and his victim slipped by the patrolman. How? The service entrance is pretty dark and it goes all the way through the next block. How did they get into the house? They found a skeleton key on the corpse that opened the basement door. Here's the funny thing. We also found that one of the basement windows had been jimmied, and we definitely know it hadn't been jimmied when we checked up before the murder. What do you make of that? Looks like the victim knew his way around and went in alone. Well, then the victim was the ghost. Yeah. The other guy must have followed him and didn't have a key and had to use the window. Any ideas on motive? No. Well, it looks like our ghost was sort of spooky at that. Look at this. What is it? Report from the medical examiner. Hmm. Examination of deceased head reveals evidence of extensive plastic... Su plastic surgery? Yeah. Had his face lifted. Well, what about his fingerprints? Nothing on the records. Well, that's funny. You'd think if he'd had his face lifted, he'd be hiding from somebody. And if he's hiding, he must have a police record. Police isn't the only thing you hide from. Well, what was he after? What was he looking for? There never was anything missing. Yeah. I think I'll have another talk with Janet Sherwood. You don't want to come along, do you? <laughs> what do you think? Miss Sherwood, are you absolutely certain there's nothing missing? Well, I, I can't be absolutely sure. I've, I've checked everything I can think of. Well, what about the library? That's where it happened. Does your father have a hidden wall safe back of the bookshelves or anything like that? Father has a wall safe, but it's upstairs. What about the books? Are any of them especially valuable? He has some first editions, but I've, I've checked all those. Are there any books missing? Any kind of books? 
It's hard to be sure that there are so many books I wouldn't know whether one of them's missing or not. Yeah, like missing one neon sign on Broadway. Wait a minute. There's one book I never thought of. I, I just this minute remembered it. What's the book? You remember it, Susan. I, I brought it home from the office last night. You, you were kidding me about it. You mean that book about the haunted house? Yes. I, I've been too nervous to read it ever since I started hearing these noises. I left it at the office, and then last night I brought it home. Why did you decide to bring it home? Well, all, all the people at the office read the newspaper stories about my haunted house, and, and when they saw a book about a haunted house on my desk, they accused me of making up the story. Is it missing? I don't know. But I'm sure I left it right on top of the desk in the library. Let's look. Huh? It's not there. Maybe you put it somewhere else. No. No, I'm positive. That's where it was when you saw it. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. What was the name of the book? It was L'Invité Invisible. Huh? It was translated from the French. The Unseen Guest by Émile Bonnard. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it your own book? Yes, I, I just bought it a few days ago. Before you heard the noises in the house or after? Just before. How did you happen to buy a book like that? Well, I always liked ghost stories and until this happened. Where did you buy it? I saw it in the window of a little second-hand bookshop. What shop? In a little place on 15th Street. Had you ever been in there before? No. That's why he asked me for my name and address. He said he'd put me on his mailing list. Was that his idea or yours? Well, it was his. Hmm. You say it was a little place. Do you mean it was really small? Well, the shop was small, but it was packed with books. Just one man run it? Yes. He was a curious little man. I'd like to meet him. Maybe you'll introduce me to him. Why, sure. Anytime. How about right now? Mr. Lerner, do you remember selling a book to this young lady? It was about three days ago. I probably did. I'd like to do better than that. Can't you answer yes or no? Ah, but so many customers come into my shop. Look, the b book I bought was called The Unseen Guest by Emile Bonnard. Ah, yes, I do remember selling a copy of that book. Do you remember selling it to me? Well, to tell you the truth... You I... ought to remember. You asked her for her name and address. Ah, I remember her now, of course. You wanted a name and address for your mailing list. That is right. Mm. What do you send out to your mailing list, Mr. Lerner? Oh, a little booklets, announcements of different books we get. May I see one of these booklets you send out? Well, you see, they have not come from the printers yet. What's the name of the printer? Well, I have not decided which printer I will use. In other words, you haven't even ordered the booklets? Not yet, no. Hmm. How about the mailing list? Can I see that? It is not complete yet. How about letting me see it as far as it goes? It is just a... A few scribbled notes here and there. I see. May uh, I ask Mr. Lerner a question? Sure, Susan. Go ahead. Mr. Lerner, do you happen to have another copy of the book you sold, Miss Sherwood? I'm afraid not. It is quite an old book, and I don't get a copy of it very often. What's that on that shelf up there? Where? There. Looks like the same title. Well, let me see. Oh, so it is. I did not realize I had another copy. Hand it down to me, will you, Mr. Lerner? Yes, I can just about reach it. Uh, just for the fun of it, let me see if you can reach it with your left arm. My left arm? But I'm not left-handed. Why should I use my left arm? Let's say I'm kind of curious about a bulge I see under your left arm. A bulge? Yes. There. 
That wouldn't be a gun, would it? <laughs> you are very observing, Captain. That is a gun. I suppose you have a permit. Oh, yes. There have been several holdups in this neighborhood, and I applied for a gun permit. Can I see it? Well, certainly. Right here in this drawer. There, Captain. Thanks. Hmm. Okay, Mr. Lerner. I'm glad you have this permit. Of course. Otherwise, I would not have the gun. Have a look at your gun, Mr. Lerner. Very well. There. Why are you so interested in my gun? I just wanted to see what kind of a bullet it shoots. doesn't shoot the kind I'm interested in. And may I ask what kind you are interested in? The kind you shoot ghosts with. Huh? You don't happen to have another gun, do you? Oh, no, no. Only this one. Okay. Put it away. Now, let's see that book. I did not realize I had this copy. Wait a minute. Where's your wrapping paper? Uh, a wrapping paper? Here it is, Jim. Yeah. Here. Put the book on this. You, you wish to, to buy it? No, no. I'll just borrow it. I have a friend who'd like to read it. He's an expert. An expert on thumbprints. <laughs> I seem to have drawn another blank. How do you mean, Jim? That book. There was an outside chance I'd find Janet Sherwood's fingerprints on it. That would have meant it was the same one missing from her home. And that wouldn't look so good for our friend Lennon. But we didn't find her prints. Why do you suppose he didn't want to admit he had another copy? Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he forgot he had it. Hmm. Are you sure it isn't the book we're looking for? How can you be sure? Could have wiped it clean, but... And why would he put it back on the shelves and then deny he had it? My hunch is it's not the book. But I've also got another hunch. What's the hunch? I don't think the book itself is very valuable. How do you mean? I mean, there it was sitting right in Lerner's window. Anybody who wanted it could pick it up for the price of a second-hand book. But as soon as Miss Sherwood buys it, the devil breaks loose and we end up with a murder. Well, I, I see what you mean, but it, it doesn't ring any bell with me. I don't see the angle. The only angle I see is that somebody slipped something into that book. A slip of paper or something. And they must have done it between the time Lerner took it out of the window and the time he wrapped it up and handed it to her. Now I'm beginning to catch up. But who else was in the store? Janet Sherwood says nobody. Ah, that makes Mr. Lerner look slightly behind the eight ball. Yeah. Doesn't get us anywhere because it's only a theory. You could probably work on six other theories just as good. But for now, I'll stick to this one. And suppose you're right, Jim. In that case, Mr. Lerner slipped something into the book because he wanted to get rid of it temporarily. And he took down Janet's name and address so he could get it back again. But somebody else wanted it, too. And when they met in the library, Lerner bumped him off. But you examined Lerner's gun. He could have had another one. How did the other man know Janet had the book? He didn't have to know she had it. All he had to do was to keep following Lerner, and Lerner led him right to the Sherwood Library. Then why was it the murdered man had the skeleton key? Lerner could have planted it on him just to get rid of it. How about fingerprints? It was wiped clean. That's why I think it was planted. Otherwise, it would have had the victim's prints on it. 
Well, it makes a picture, but as you say, it's all theory. Nothing to get your teeth into. Yeah, but the beauty of it is, if it's right, it'll pay off and pay off fast. If it's wrong, I'm just a dumb cop. But if it pays off, why do you think it'll pay off fast? Because you're going to help me. Me? How? You're going to write a big exclusive feature story for your newspaper. Tell me more. You're going to scoop the whole field on that little talk we had with Mr. Lerner. Only you're not going to mention his name or address. All you're going to say is a certain little man who runs a certain little bookshop, sold a certain book, and a certain character whose face was loaded with plastic surgery got bumped off. And here, put these two. Look at these. What are they? Pictures of the victim before he had his face lifted. Where'd you get them? We had an artist working with our medical examiner, reconstructing the face to show what it might have looked like before it was changed. That's a smart idea. Okay, go to it. And by the way... What? Be sure you put your name at the top of this story. I always do, don't I? Yeah, but you might forget. I wouldn't want that to happen on this one. This will probably be the most important byline you'll ever write. What makes you think so? I have an idea. Somebody's going to ask you for the name and address of the little bookshop. And if they do, you give it to them. But don't let them get out of your sight. Yes? You are Miss Susan Webb. Yes, I'm Miss Webb. I must apologize for calling at your apartment in the evening, but I did not think it wise to interrupt you at your office. What's it about? Actually, it's a personal matter. I would like to ask a favor. May I come in for just a moment? Yes. Come in. Thank you so much. You are Miss Susan Webb of the Times Herald, are you not? Yes. That's where I work. Oh, this is a lovely apartment. Yes, it's, it's very nice. So high up, too. It's cool in the summer. Quite a view from the windows. On a clear day, it's a wonderful view. It's a long way down to the street. Does it ever make you nervous to look down to the street? Oh, no. I'm used to it. Good for you. Well, this favor I would like to... How did you know where I live? Oh, very simple. I had only to refer to the telephone book. Oh, I see. Fortunately, you live alone. Otherwise, your telephone might have been in your husband's name. You do live alone, don't you? Oh, yes. All alone. Well, I read your piece in the newspaper about the little bookshop. It was very interesting. Thank you. You see, I'm very interested in bookshops. I know quite a few of them because I'm always collecting books and I never know where I will find something I'm looking for. Sort of a uh, hobby? Yes. I thought perhaps if you would give me the name and address of this shop you mentioned, I might find it an excellent place to look around. I'll be glad to give it to you. It's run by Mr. Maxime Lerner at 103 East 15th Street. Ah, I'll write that down. Mr. Maxime Lerner. Yes, one... 103 East 15th Street. 103 East 15th Street. That's right. Thank you very much. You don't happen to know Mr. Lerner's home address? Yes, he lives over the shop. The shop is part of his house. Splendid. I'm leaving town in the morning and I might telephone him tonight about some books I'm trying to locate. I have his telephone number. That would be very kind. Would you like to phone him now? You, you can use my phone. Oh, I wouldn't think of troubling you. I'll just take down the number. It's Chestnut 4607. Chestnut or six or seven. Yes. You've been most helpful, Miss Webb. Not at all, Mr... Franklin, Paul Franklin. I'm very glad I could help you, Mr. Franklin. I'm most grateful. 
Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Webb. That's the first portion of Under Arrest from August 1st, 1948. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, it's time for the conclusion to Under Arrest. Who is there? Who's there? Oh. I'll take your gun. You won't need it. Now, go in and we'll close the door. What is this? We'll go into a back room and then you will switch off the lights in the store. And don't try to be clever. Now, Mr. Lerner, I would like to have the formula. What formula? The new atom formula, which you are hoping to sell for a great deal of money. I do not know what you are talking about. Come now, Mr. Lerner. Seems that you and I are in the same business. I still do not know what you mean. Just to show you I know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you about my business. Then I'll tell you about yours. My business is very simple. I am a thief. I steal all kinds of secrets. Secrets about new materials of war. Secrets about new defenses and new weapons. Then, when I have stolen these secrets, I sell them to whoever will pay me the most money. Does that sound anything like the business you are in, Mr. Lerner? I am in the business of selling books. I will refresh your recollection. A short time ago, there was a new and secret atom formula developed, and my partner and I tried to steal it, but someone got there ahead of us. Then my partner picked up the trail of this person who got there ahead of us, and I believe he would have succeeded in getting the formula, only this person murdered him. In the library of someone named Sherwood. Does that sound familiar to you? Why don't you tell that to the police? They would like to know who the murdered man was. He was a famous international spy, but he became too famous. That's why he had his face lifted. What does all this have to do with me? He was my partner, but I didn't know what happened to him. Now I know. Now you know what? Thanks to the article I read in the paper, I know that you killed him. Because I think you are in the same business that I am. It is not true. You probably saw him watching you from outside your shop, and just then a young lady came in, so you slipped the formula inside the book you sold her and took her name and address. 
Then my partner followed you, and when you recovered the formula, he tried to get it, and you killed him. Ah, that is a lot of nonsense. In that case, let's talk sense. I think you are in the business of stealing and selling secrets the same as I am. All right. Suppose we say you stole the atom secret, and suppose we say, I will buy it from you. You will buy it? I thought you said you tried to steal it. That is correct, but since I couldn't steal it, I will have to buy it. It's a very good proposition for you, Mr. Lerner. The police are already suspicious of you. It would be very difficult for you to make contacts. But here I am, with plenty of money, ready to do business. And there's another point. What is that? If you decide you don't want to do business with me, I may decide to kill you. Kill me? Why? Because I've been too frank with you. Because now you know who I am, and I don't like that. I see. How much will you pay? $100,000. In cash? In cold American dollars. And I think since you haven't much choice, I'm being very fair. Show me the money. Show me the formula. It is here, in this book. <laughs> Your favorite hiding place. Let me see it. It is the real thing. Yes. This is it. Now the money. I hate to part with money, Mr. Lerner. You hate to part with money? Yes, money is so valuable. And bullets are so cheap. Bullets? Yes, bullets. Oh, oh, oh. You seem to be waiting for someone, Miss Webb. Well, if I am. I think you followed me in your car. In that case, you will use your car instead of mine, and you can be the chauffeur. Step on it. This gun has several more bullets in it. I knew you would follow me, Miss Webb. Did you? That's why I came directly to the little shop. And since you were so afraid you might lose my trail, you didn't stop to telephone, Captain Scott. Oh, no? Just so happens I phoned him while you were in the bookshop. I think that is a lie. You were afraid to look for a public telephone for fear I might come out of the shop and get away. What makes you so sure? Common sense. Keep straight over 15th Street and then down the drive to the tunnel. Where are we headed for? For the airport. Drive carefully, Miss Webb. there, Miss Webb, and you are about to have an accident. An accident? Open the door on your side. You're about to fall out at 70 miles an hour. Get your hands off that wheel. Oh, drive us both into the nearest telephone pole. I think I'm a little stronger than you are. You get your hands off. You See the that or get a bullet. I'll take the bullet. Let go of me. Miss Webb, there's something ahead. A roadblock. Turn the car around. 70 miles an hour? Slow it up and turn around. Wait. Don't turn. There's someone behind us. Try to go through the roadblock. Oh, Yeah. The boys will get him. He's out like a light. Must have conked himself on the windshield. Oh, I thought we'd both go through it when I slammed on those brakes. You all right? Yeah. That chance to get set for it. Where did that roadblock come from? When I saw you head for the tunnel, I figured on the airport, so I got the guard at the toll station to phone ahead. How did you pick up my trail? I never got a chance to phone you. You told me not to take my eyes off. That's right. Captain Scott? Yes, officer. We just called the detail we left at the bookshop. Lerner was still alive, gave the whole story before he died. Told him this character we just picked up has a stone atom formula. Here it is. Adam formula. So my hunch was right. Wow. Wow and double wow. 
But you haven't answered my question. What's that? How did you pick up my trail? I couldn't take my eyes off him long enough to phone you. So what? All I had to do was just not take my eyes off you. Under arrest. Into your cell. All prisoners present and accounted for. You have just heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual, a new series featuring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Under Arrest is directed by Martin Markner and written by Thornton Leonard. Original music is composed and played by Milton Kane. Susan Webb was played by Margaret Draper, Janet by Patricia Courtley, Lerner by Guy Rep, Paul by Alan Hewitt. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to names of actual persons, living or dead, is coincidental. Ralph Paul speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's Under Arrest from August 1st, 1948, with a spook of Sherwood Mansion starring Joe DeSantis. Also in the cast, Guy Rep, Alan Hewitt, Margaret Draper, and Patrick Courtley, with Ralph Paul announcing as heard on Mutual. Hope you enjoy that good police procedural. All right, time now for a comedy episode of My Favorite Husband. Lisa loves Lucille Ball, and we have a Lucille Ball program for you, Lisa. Thank you, Carl. And for our listeners as well. And for me. Yeah. Lucille Ball and Richard Denning were uh, Liz and George Cooper on this program, a great series, as heard uh, in the 1940s, called My Favorite Husband. This show is called The Quiz Program. It's from October 23rd, 1948. Here's part one of My Favorite Husband. We present Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. Based on the delightful stories of Isabel Scott Rorick's gay, sophisticated Mr. and Mrs. Cougar, starring Miss Ball with Richard Denning. Well, let's look in on the Cougats and see what they're doing. It's morning, and George Cougat is seated alone at the breakfast table. Liz is helping Katie, the maid, in the kitchen by fixing the toast. Liz, is the toast ready yet? Oh, just a minute, dear. Now it's ready. Liz, what was that noise I heard? Nothing. Oh, how do you want it scraped, dear? Light, medium, or charcoal broiled? Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, if you hadn't heard me, you'd never know the difference. Here you are. Liz, you scraped it too hard. It's back to bread again. Well, I can't help it. It's a toaster's fault. If you'd fix half the things around here... Now, wait a minute. I did fix the toaster. I tightened the spring yesterday so the toast would pop up better. Oh, you did that. Well, you made the spring too tight. And you better apologize to Katie. What for? She fell into the sink running back to catch a high fly. (laughs) Yes. And if it ever learns to throw a curve, we're really in trouble. Well, it's a perfectly good toaster. I'll I'll try to fix it. You'll try to fix it, yeah. Well, what do you want me to do, buy a new one? Either that or get Katie a fielder's mitt. (laughs) Oh, George, let's not fight so early in the morning. No, all right. We'll wait a while. (laughs) You're so cute. Give me a kiss. Uh, Somehow I feel this is going to end up in a new toaster. Don't be silly. 
Your morning kisses are like coffee to me. That's how I wake up. Liz, I have a confession to make. What? My caffeine's been removed. (laughs) Silly, come here. Sanka. Oh, you're welcome. You know, George, the way we kiss, I don't need a new toaster. You don't? No, just put a piece of bread in my hand and kiss me again. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful, George? No matter what we argue about, a kiss from you fixes everything. (laughs) You know, you could get around anybody with a kiss. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, when I get to work, I'll try it on Mr. Atterbury. Hey, what's that? It's in the kitchen. Katie! Katie, what's going on out there? Mrs. Cougat, Mr. Cougat, run for your life. What's the matter? What happened? The automatic dishwasher has gone crazy. <laughs> broken again. Oh, it threw every dish in the kitchen at me, and it's trying to climb into the cupboard to get some more. <laughs> oh, now, Katie, you mustn't be upset. It's not that tragic. Oh, I can't help it, Mrs. Cougat. That thing hates me. <laughs> You go back to the kitchen and get even with it. Pull its plug out. Yes, ma'am. George, I'd like to talk to you about a new dishwasher. Kiss me, Liz. Oh, no. No, with the toaster, it just meant burnt toast. This time we may lose Katie. Why, that's ridiculous. What's the matter? Can't she wash dishes in a pan like everybody else? Well, but she's had the dishwasher so long, she might resent it and quit. You know we can't find anyone nearly as wonderful as she is. Well, what are women coming to that that they have to be pampered with electrical gadgets? Oh, we're not pampered. Well, the wives of our ancestors didn't have dishwashers. Pioneer women didn't have a lot of electrical appliances to do their housework. Of course they didn't. And where are those women today? Dead. (laughs) Well, I'm not buying Katie a new dishwasher. And you can tell her so. She'll get rough red hands. Well, what of it? She's got rough red everything else. Well, I'll tell you the truth, George. I wasn't thinking of just Katie. I I was thinking of someone else. Uh Uh-huh. Well, come clean. Whom were you thinking of? Oh, you're so grammatical. Well, I can't help it. That's correct. Whom were you thinking of? Hume. Meme? I mean, me? What are you talking about? Well, if we don't have a dishwasher and it's Katie's night off, I'll be washing the dishes. I thought so. Oh, I don't care for myself. But when you come home and you greet me and you you kiss my hands... Yes? You'll get dishpan lips. (laughs) Liz, you're, you're breaking my little heart. But I'm not buying Katie a new dishwasher. And you can tell her so. She's liable to get mad. So? You tell her, George. Uh... No, Liz, uh, you tell her. What's the matter? Are you afraid? Me? Afraid? (laughs) Oh, that makes me laugh. Well, when you stop laughing, you tell her. (laughs) Well, Liz, it's just that I don't want you to be a slave in your own house. You you have to be the boss around here. Let her know who gives the orders. Do you understand? Yes, you're afraid of her. No, she means nothing to me. I, I just want you to learn a lesson. All right, I'll tell her. I'm not afraid. I'll get her in here and I'll say to her, Katie... Did someone call me? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Uh, Mrs. Cougat has uh, something to tell you, Katie. No. Uh, Yes. Uh, Katie, 
There's something you might as well know right now. What is it? I want some more coffee. <laughs> That's telling her, Liz. Oh, why don't you go to work? Katie, could I talk to you a minute, please? Just a second, Mrs. Cougar, till I get through washing these dishes by hand. Oh, don't worry, Katie. I'll get a dishwasher somehow. I asked Corey Cartwright to come over. Well, what for? I didn't think he knew about anything except women. He doesn't, but he has a lot of friends in radio, and I thought maybe if he could get me on a giveaway program, I might win a dishwasher. Do you, do you think you could win? Oh, listen, I've heard some of those shows won by morons, and I'm as smart as they are any day. <laughs> Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. That must be Corey, I'll get it. Oh, he's in a hurry. Quick, close the door. What's the matter? Women, I can't get rid of them. Crowds of them chase me down the street. Oh, well, it must be tough to be so irresistible. Hey, what's this dragging along in back of you? Oh, that? Oh, that's nothing. Let me see. Why, Corey Cartwright, a bottle of taboo on a string. <laughs> well... It's a game I play. It's like fishing, only for women. Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Say, uh, what was on your pretty mind when you asked me to drop by, dear? Corey, are you still friends with that fellow who puts on radio shows? Well, sure. I've been on a lot of them lately. Two more programs and I'll have all my Christmas shopping done. Well, could you get me on one? Absolutely. What do you want to win? I've got a list of what they're giving away. Mm -hmm. Refrigerators, stoves, automobiles, diamond rings, wristwatches, and kitchen utensils. Yes, but I want... Garbage disposal units, Hoover vacuum cleaners, fur coats, house paint, pianos, radio phonographs, record albums. But you see, I'd like Typewriters, to have... six office buildings, a parking lot in downtown Los Angeles, and Arrowhead Springs. Let me off at electric dishwashers, please. Oh, it's a cinch. There's a program that gives away a dishwasher each week. It's called His and Hers. Corey, you've got to get me on. Oh, there's nothing to it. Give me the phone. Phone there. Hello? That you, Smiley? This is Corey Cartwright. How are you, you old son of a gun? Yeah. Say, a couple of friends of mine would like to get on His and Hers. A couple? Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's a banker. Oh, good. Uh, the name is George Cougar. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, swell. Goodbye, Smiley. Oh, no, Corey, wait. Well, Liz, you're all set. Corey, does George have to go on the show, too? Well, sure. Husband and wife teams compete together. That's what makes it fun. Oh, I don't know how George is going to take this. He doesn't know about it? No. Oh, you'll die. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, listen, Liz, you're not on till next week. Now, have George listen to the show. It's on tonight. And see if you can talk him into it. Remember the name, his and hers. All right, I'll keep his ears glued to the radio if I have to use scotch tape. Well, George, we have a whole evening to ourselves. What would you like to do, honey? Oh, I don't know. I can't make up my mind between going to a movie or visiting the Stearns. You decide. All right, I decided. Which is it going to be? We'll stay home and listen to the radio. But, Liz... I want to be alone with you, George. We can smooch. We can? <laughs> I could smooch with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, with time and a half for oversmooch. <laughs> uh, say, what's, what's this radio business? I thought you didn't like radio shows. Me? Oh, no, I love radio. I listen to it all day long. Oh, yeah? 
What programs? Uh, uh, Portia Faces John's Other Wife. What? Uh, Ma Perkins Can Be Beautiful. No, Liz. When a girl marries, it pays to be ignorant. No. Libby Owens, Glass Girl, Glass Blower. Oh, stop it. What scheme is brewing in that pretty little skull? Nothing. I just want to listen to the radio. I'll turn it on. Yeah, all right. As long as it isn't one of those horrible quiz shows. Quiz shows? Oh, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a lot of silly characters making fools of themselves in front of a microphone. Oh, I, I think they're a lot of fun. How, how can a person with any self-respect appear on one of those things? And now, ladies and gentlemen, our last contestants will come up to the microphone to compete for our big jackpot prize on his and hers. Mr. and Mrs. Paul Roney. Liz, that's a quiz show. Now, can either of you tell me the answer to this question? What is stored at Fort Knox? Oh, now, that, now, that's an insult to his intelligence, and any fool knows what's stored at Fort Knox. Sure, gelatin. <laughs> Here, turn that thing off. No, I want to listen. Gold is right, and Mr. and Mrs. Roney win the jackpot for tonight's his and hers. Good night. You, you mean both a man and his wife go through that? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like fun? <laughs> is there no bottom due to a human being's dignity? And now we'll announce the names of next week's contestants. Oh, no. What's the matter, Liz? Uh, you're right, it's silly. Turn it off. Turn it off. Mr. and Mrs. Tom Lefebvre. No, I want to see who the suckers will be next week. <laughs> Dr. and Mrs. Charles Van Tassel. And what other half-wits? Mr. and Mrs. George Cougar. <laughs> Liz. Well, let's go to a movie. <laughs> Liz, sit down. I don't like the look in your eye, George. I can explain everything honestly. Go ahead. Put the lamp down, and I will. <laughs> I'm just holding it so you won't knock it down. Now, stop shaking. All right, all right. I wanted a dishwasher, and Corey knew the master of ceremonies, and he fixed it up for us, that's all. My pal. Well, maybe he can find a job for me when Mr. Atterbury at the bank hears about this. Oh, he'll love having his vice president on a quiz show. No, I'll get it. Hello? Hello, George? How's the quiz kid? Oh, Hello, Harry. Just heard him say your name on the radio, George. Congratulations! Uh, look, Harry. Uh, we're not this going... This is only the beginning, George. Maybe if you give yourself a home permanent, you'll be chosen queen for a day. Now, wait a minute. Well, goodbye, Queenie. <laughs> And that's the first portion of My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball and Richard Denning as two people who live together and like it. It's heard on CBS. That's part one of the quiz show. We'll have the conclusion on our next program. But first, these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. 
This theory is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com and receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, we'll tune into the conclusion to My Favorite Husband with the quiz show starring Lucille Ball and Richard Denning. Then, Joseph Cotton stars in the Alfred Hitchcock-directed film, a radio adaptation of that film, called Shadow of a Doubt from 1946 on Academy Award Theater. You won't want to miss that. We'll see you next time 